The Nappy Diaries is proudly supported by Love to Dream. With their award-winning swaddles, sleep suits and sleep bags for children newborn to four years old, Love to Dream is helping families all around Australia enjoy better, longer sleep. Whether you're growing a baby in your body or whether you've actually had your baby and holding your baby to your chest, you know, the way in which you experience that connection with that moment is severely influenced, you know, by the, all of these shooting and musting and thoughts that you're having. Mm. Um, so, you know, we want, we want people to be able to feel that they're able to bond effectively with their baby and by effectively I don't mean in a straightforward, smiley, happy way. I mean in an authentic way, but we want to be reducing as many obstacles to that as possible. So seeking help, you know, and first and foremost, we know that most people have a conversation with a loved one or a friend. Maternal instinct, does it actually exist? Does it put pressure on new mums to try and find it or give reason for guilt and shame if you can't? We're catching up today with clinical psychologist and the CEO of Panda, Julie Borninkoff, to talk about this some more. Welcome, Julie. How are you? Well, thanks, Sarah. Really great. That's a loaded question, isn't it? An <laughs> intro. <laughs> <laughs> well, can we start with that? What, what is maternal instinct? Look, I think that's a really good question and, and you know, in hearing that introduction, I, I have to say my personal flags went up because as somebody who had their one and only child at 40, um, you know, I held off because I didn't have a maternal instinct and mm. I was watching my peers and my mates and my family um, have children and, you know, develop these amazing bonds around me and in many ways, you know, my husband and I were in a position where, yes, we wanted to have a family and wanted to create more than just ourselves, um, but I didn't have that maternal bond and, uh, you know, I was really happy being a, a you know, woman in the workforce and, and doing things for other people um, and I found that really confronting in many ways now looking back retrospectively, I think, gosh, you know, I spent so much time searching when... Really, I just needed somebody to lay my baby on top of me and that was when, for me, it clicked in. But, you know, it's, it's weird that we expect ourselves to kind of come through life with that, that maternal instinct and understanding embedded within us when it's not the same for all of us. No, and it definitely is not, which I guess leads to the question of does it actually exist? Do we think it's there or is it really just the pressure of society that puts it there? I think, you know... I guess in my experience, both as a clinician, as a mum, as a friend, as a mate, as, you know, a family member, but also as somebody who hears the stories of all of the wonderful callers who seek out, you know, support through our helpline, I think there's no black or white answer to any of that. I mm. think, you know, ultimately some people have had really amazing relationships modelled to them throughout their life by parents or friends of family or whomever and you know for them they're very fixed on the fact that they want that and that is going to make them whole and you know their, their journey is a smooth one through that for others that can set them up to feel like that's unattainable and that they're a failure if they're not reaching a standard mm. um you know for many there are people who have need a concrete you know um example of what that's going to look and feel like which I think was my experience before, they would actually connect with their bub. Um, so I don't think there's a right or wrong, and I think that's probably most, you know, the biggest part of the issue really is that we have these expectations around what we should or must experience um, or how we should or must act. And in the reality, you know, 
it's near enough, good enough, and, and it's different for all of us. Yes, exactly. And I think those conversations or those um, expectations are changing. Like I remember back 15 years ago, you know, when I was first starting to think about having my first child and even before that, you would see images of, you know, women in rocking chairs, lovingly hugging their, uh, you know, rocking their children to sleep. And it would set up these expectations of, of parenthood. But I feel that that has changed a fair bit over the last decade or so. Do you think it has or...? Yeah, look, I think definitely we are, I think as a culture, you know, and and, and I speak from the Australian context mm. and I have a bit of a connection to the international perinatal space, but, you know, if I use Australia as an example, I think that we are getting a lot more honest and real and authentic about the relationships we're having as mums and dads and communities around the experience of, you know, both the pregnancy and the space and even the decision-making whether or not you want to have a baby. I think that's mm. kind of opening up um, in terms of there's no right or wrong there. And I think, you know, we are getting um, more real about that topic. I think we're still, though, seeing a lot of marketing that is very idealised still, you know, and, and we know that callers talk about the way in which parenting is portrayed in the media, you know. So I think we still do get bombarded with images on nappy packets and formula and, you know, all of those areas and even, you know, within the health sector um, of family units, you know, man, woman, baby. Yes. you know, which, as we know, isn't the case. You no. know, anyone can have a child and what a wonderful thing that is. But also, you know, um, but it's not always happy. And, you know, the concept of even rocks crumble and, you know, that you're all going to have good days and bad days and you're going to love it some days and you're going to hate it others and mm-hmm. that's all 100% okay is yes. not really something we're good at portraying. No, it's not, is it? And I guess um, your story, you mentioned how you'd put off having your child for a while because that you didn't feel that maternal bond, but that changed, obviously, um, or you mm. mentioned that they should, you know, you just really needed to have your baby on your chest. For a lot of mums, it still doesn't even come then. So yeah, we, we have... We have what I found after I had my children is I just had to lower my expectations pretty much right down to, to as low as I could take them because we have such high expectations on ourselves. If we find that that's, that's the case after we have our baby, that that's, it's just that bond or whatever we're looking to feel is not there, how do we manage that? How, what, what do we do? Well, I think, yeah, there's, it's multi-layered again as a question because I think, you know, there's a what's the ideal case scenario and then, you know, what's the, the um, more manageable one. And I think ultimately the first thing we need to be doing is, as you're saying, you know, kind of doing that internal pat down of how am I travelling um, and owning whatever comes up for you, whether it's a good experience or a bad experience, you know, don't second guess or try to minimise the feelings that you have or the concerns you have. Um, I think too, you know, a lot of people, we have this really weird concept in our culture of, you know, finding the right time. Um, And whether it's around family conflict or partner conflict or, you know, conversations we need to have with ourselves or even thinking about stuff, we often seek this right time. And I think when you throw into the mix the complexity of having a new bub or being pregnant and trying to navigate work-life roles or any of those sort of complexities, you know, finding the right time for your own health and well-being, um, whether you're a man or a woman, will never come. So I think, first of all, it's taking those baby steps 
Second of all, it's, you know, rather than finding the right time to have those conversations, if you feel it, say it, sort of concept, um, you know, don't hold on to stuff because we know whether you're growing a baby in your body or whether you've actually had your baby and holding your baby to your chest, you know, the way in which you experience that connection with that moment is severely influenced, you know, by the, all of these shooting and musting and thoughts that you're having. Mm. Um, so, you know, we want, we want people to be able to feel that they're able to bond effectively with their baby and by effectively I don't mean in the straightforward smiley happy way I mean in an authentic way but we want to be reducing as many obstacles to that as possible so seeking help you know and first and foremost we know that most people have a conversation with a loved one or a friend um, you know and if you're not able to that do that then you know reaching out to a support like pandas or any of the other supports that you're exposed to in your community whether it's through a GP or a child maternal health nurse and you know really raising that you're struggling or that you've got concerns and, and feeling okay about doing that because in reality more people struggle than survive through the mm. perinatal period you know smoothly and it's not just mums it's dads too no. Yeah, yeah. And I love that, um, you know, asking or looking internally and asking yourself, how am I traveling? And, and I guess just honestly, with no judgment on yourself and no expectation, answering that to, to sort of see where you are. So you've mentioned, we mentioned that you're the CEO of Panda. For anyone who's listening who hasn't heard of Panda before, can you just tell us a little bit about the work that you do? Yeah, of course. So Panda is an amazing service, you know, and I don't just say that because I get to to be um, on the leadership team of it. But, you know, we do such amazing work and, you know, every day I hear um, or did hear up until COVID and we moved our helpline um, into people's homes as a delivery space. Um, But, you know, one of the wonderful things we have is lots and lots of callers who are just seeking, uh, you know, some support or reassurance or help from our helpline every day. So anyone can call up between the hours of 9am and 7.30pm Eastern Standard Time, Monday to Friday. Um, You ring 1300-726-306 and that's a free number. There are no, uh, you know, barriers to getting support. It's really just if we have staff available to take your call. Otherwise, they'll ring you back as soon as they can. Um, and the process, once you get through to one of our uh, supporters, counsellors or volunteers, is that they'll do a little check-in with you to see how you're travelling um, with no judgement. And then they'll provide you the most appropriate support in that moment. So that usually takes the form of a call where they give you some insight into the experience of perinatal mental vulnerability um, how you can get support within your local community. They'll connect you with some tools and resources that both sit on our website or may be more targeted. Um, and if you need support connecting with a localised services because your needs are a little bit more complex or, um, you know, they our counsellors think that you need to connect with more support at that time, they, they can also support you with that as well. Okay, yep. And the number that you mentioned there, just to confirm, one three hundred seven two six three zero six, was it? That's it, yes. Yep. Okay. And the website is panda p a n d a dot org dot au. Just one yep. final question. For for people who are listening, um and, and you, we say it's very common, but you can tend to feel extremely alone in this. What are some of the mm. stats in terms of um perinatal anxiety and depression? How many people do suffer from it? So one in five mums uh, essentially, uh, you know, can experience perinatal anxiety and depression. And when we talk about that, we're talking at a 
rate that they would be diagnosable. So really there are probably mm. a whole lot more who are not yet at the severity um, of, of the space where they would even be given a diagnosis of perinatal anxiety and depression. For them, their experience may just be either emerging or they may never get um, to the level where they would get a diagnosis, but are still really struggling. Um, and we know that one in 10 dads also struggle. So, you know, th these are really important findings and, and, you know, part of our job as an, a national agency that advocates based on these experiences really to get people to understand that this is such a normal part of the parenting yes. journey. Um, you know, and there is no, you know, guilt, shame or anything in between in, in going through this. It's just, it's as normal as having trouble with breastfeeding or eating or sleeping or any of those other things. But it is something that you want to be able to take seriously and make some space to, to work through, um, you know, because it does impact on how you connect with your baby and how you connect with your broader supports and your family um, around you. And I know I said that was my last question, but I've just got one more. I'm sorry. Um, now, th throughout COVID, did you, was there, I know that I'd heard that Beyond Blue had experienced some increases in, in the use of their services. Did Panda experience an increase in the need for your services? Yeah, most definitely. It's been a really interesting year for Panda and, you know, we all always uh, sit pretty flat chat on the helpline, um, but we came out of after Christmas having the bushfires impacting significantly on the our Australian callers, just both through those who were uh, geographically located near bushfires, but also those that were seeing it on the news and feeling quite traumatised by it. And then COVID hit and, you know, straight away we saw an increase in the number of people that were experiencing vulnerability just in relation to the anxiety of bringing a baby into a world where we didn't know what was going to happen as a result of the pandemic. Um, or also, you know, starting to preempt experiences of, you know, workplace, you know, disruption and, and, and those sorts of things. So we have sat at, you know, probably a 20% increase in callers on our standard uh, demand for our helpline. Um, and we've been tracking data and know that about 40, 46% of callers are actually calling us because they're feeling more stressed and anxious as a result of COVID. Mm. Um, and that's starting to reduce a little bit, but I think the financial stresses and, you know, even um, home parenting, well, we had our kids at home, really did place a lot of pressure for those who have a number of kids on new parents, you know, juggling not only having a new bub in the household or being pregnant, with, you know, trying to navigate a workspace and financial disruption and then having to be a, a teacher's aide through that period if you had younger kids. I know I really did place a big, big impact on our callers. So it's been a really full-on time, you know, for everyone. Um, but more importantly, when you're trying to create a nest and a stable space to be able to just celebrate or, you know, deal with or manage or get through however you can um, the birth of a new baby, whether you've already got kids or not, it's been a really full-on time for people, you know. Yes. Um, and we've been proud to be able to be there for yeah. people, but also been looking after ourselves as an organisation through that. Exactly, which is another whole um, story, isn't it? And you're right because <laughs> because having a child is 
can be hard enough and daunting enough at in perfect conditions, mm. let alone the conditions that we have found ourselves in. So if anyone is listening, again, I just want to confirm those details for anyone who's listening who does want to reach out for help or perhaps has a friend or a family member who they feel might need some support. There, uh, The number again is 1300 726 306. The website is panda.org.au. Thank you so much for joining us today. Absolute pleasure, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Can I just mention too that on our website there's an amazing mental health checklist that you can do at any time 24-7 and you can go on and complete it. It's a 30-question checklist and it allows you to explore whether or not the struggles you're feeling and the the issues that you feel like you're up against are normal or whether they're things that you'd benefit from seeking support around. And people have found that really beneficial. We've had almost 50,000 people across Australia complete that in about 18 months Um, and and so you know that might give people who don't feel ready to reach out to our helpline or go to their GP or talk to somebody a bit of a way of exploring it in a you know in a non-confronting way of course I'll share that through the show notes as well and also on um, the posts for this episode thank you so much for joining us and thank you for all the great work that you guys do at Panda thanks so much Sarah thanks for having us The Nappy Diaries is proudly supported by Love to Dream. With their award-winning swaddles, sleep suits and sleep bags for children newborn to four years old, Love to Dream is helping families all around Australia enjoy better, longer sleep.